If I had a soapbox, I would stand right up on it and I would shout over and over again that small is different, that what works for large organizations doesn't always translate to small ones. That is why I created this podcast. As you know, it's called The Small Nonprofit because we can't take a large sized model and make it you know, fit for everyone. So we are going to be talking a little bit about that today because it's one of my favorite subjects and I can't wait to introduce you to our guest. As you know, my name is Cindy Wagman and I'm your host of the Small Nonprofit Podcast where we bring you practical down-to-earth advice on how to get more done with your small organization. You are going to change the world and we are here to help. I'm so excited to introduce you to Sarah Hushley, whose name I finally learned how to pronounce properly. If anyone knows Sarah, because I feel like a lot of you do or should, that's not what her last name looks like in writing. So Sarah Hushley, from uh, Sarah's the founder of Charity Shift, and we are going to be talking about making shifts, small shifts in your shop uh, to increase your fundraising. Sarah spent 14 years in-house in our sector before moving into consulting three years ago. She is part of our fractional fundraising network. Um, So she does some fractional fundraising work, but also a lot of other meaningful work on top of that. And fun fact, after living in Vancouver for 15 years, she relocated across the country to Toronto, which is good for me because I actually get to see her in person. So Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It is my pleasure. We are going to have so much fun because I love this topic, but I want to hear from you first a little bit about why is this a topic that you are passionate about? Yeah. Great question to start with. So recently, someone that I I really respect in the nonprofit sector was kind of highlighting the fact that about 95, 94, 96% of nonprofits in the US and Canada are what we would consider small to mid-sized nonprofits. So that means organizations that have less than $5 million in annual revenue. I know this is a small nonprofit podcast. I am probably talking to that 95%. So I and my consulting business has been fully focused on working directly with um, Canadian and U.S. small nonprofits. And I think the way that we fundraise is different, which I actually think is a real um, a real opportunity that small organizations have. The problem that comes in is I think in small nonprofits, we are looking at what the larger organizations are doing. We're seeing these incredible DM campaigns and these incredible viral fundraising campaigns and these huge galas and events and celebrities. And we think, oh, we should do that too. And if we don't do that, that's a failure or you know, it makes us reflect badly on what we're doing. And so I think it's really important to talk about in small organizations, yeah, we're not going to do those massive um, (laughs) fundraising events or campaigns or have celebrities, but there are so many other things that we can do as small nonprofits. And I'm excited to kind of talk about what those shifts can be in our perspective. Um, Mm -hmm. And also some simple little shifts in the the day-to-day work that we're doing in fundraising that can have a big impact. I love that. I like literally remember one of my first, no, I think it was my first fundraising conference. Mm -hmm. And I was like 
first fundraising job. I was young. I was right out of school. And I got there and I was so excited. And I listened to these amazing speakers share these really cool, like quote unquote, best practices. And then I walked away feeling completely deflated because I couldn't see how I could implement them. Like it was, uh, you know, someone just said this term to me today, like drinking out of a fire hose. Like, yeah, it was actually not that helpful in the end. I wonder if you've had any experiences like that where you felt like, hello, (laughs) can can someone talk to me? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think that unfortunately, especially given, as we talked about 95% of nonprofits and charities do fit into that small space because we aren't the largest and we aren't bringing in the most money and we don't have the ability for a lot of times to go to these big events. The training, the events, the knowledge that's being taught by all these, you know, quote unquote experts is geared towards those larger organizations. So it's sort of this continual, you know, people learning about things that don't fit them. And the the information coming out is geared towards those larger uh, organizations that are never going to be a fit for us. And I think what it comes down to is people feeling somehow that we're not enough or that Mm. like the work that we're doing isn't good enough because it isn't as big as, you know, whatever else. And it's funny, like I found that as my business grows and I work with different organizations, there continues to be this ongoing feeling of not being enough feeling of almost like an embarrassment of (laughs) where the fundraising is, which is really unfortunate, I think, because we have these organizations that are doing unbelievable things out there in the world. And then when it comes to talking about their fundraising or asking people to join them as donors, people all of a sudden kind of like shrink up and get nervous and get uncomfortable. And it feels awkward and don't want to talk to donors and and don't want to reach out. And I think that there's a lot to unpack there in, in a lot of different reasons. But I do think part of it is we don't have those big budgets and we never will. So let's figure out what we can do instead. Um, Mm. And really come at things from a position of strength, as opposed to thinking about the things that we can't do or the things that we don't have. Yeah. And when we focus on the can'ts, we stop believing that we can. So let's dive into some of those strengths or opportunities that do make fundraising unique. And I don't want to say opportunistic, but I can't think of another word. So a great opportunity for smaller organizations to leverage that small size and actually do things better than the big shops. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I'll say one of the first things that comes to the top of my mind is connecting with people. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the work that I talk about, it's connecting at scale, right? So whether you have um, 10 donors or 100 donors or 1,000 donors, the small organizations that I'm working with, they don't have a major gifts officer who can go and have a coffee with somebody or, you know, go to somebody's event. We're talking about somebody who's probably connecting with donors off the side of their desk on top of all the other things that they have to do. And so what I really like to focus on is what are those things that we can do at scale Mm. that feel personal, that feel like Cindy as an individual human being has reached out to me as a donor and wants to make sure that I feel connected to the cause. And that can be done at larger organizations, but in smaller organizations, it can be done 
I think quite easily in a way that really, really makes a difference and makes donors feel more connected um, to that smaller mm-hmm. organization. Mm-hmm. Can you give me some examples of like what that would look like? Yeah, definitely. So one of the things that I have seen unbelievable results with is um, what I call a 15-minute check-in call. And what that looks like is, and you can do this with, you know, it might be people on your um, newsletter or your email list or your social media um, who are really engaged with your organization. So they're liking your content, they're opening your emails. Um, They may be donors, they might not be. It could also be your monthly donors, your long-term donors. It could be your grant funders, whoever it is that you want to get a little bit closer to. But what the process is, is you send an email to these people, to this audience, and you ask them for 15 minutes of their time, either by phone or by Zoom. And you let them know it's not a solicitation call, but it's really just to find out more about why they are connected to your organization. Obviously, for a grant or funder, we'll talk about this in a second because the messaging is a little bit different there. But in terms of an individual, you know, why is it that you're connected to to um, to this cause? You know, we've noticed that you are um, commenting on a lot of our social media posts. Thanks so much. Um, we'd love to find out from you um, why this cause matters so much to you. And part of it is, and again, this is something that small charities can do really well, is it's starting to build a two way conversation where we are collecting information from donors that makes people feel that much more connected to your cause. So that's kind of on the individual side for the grant and the funder side of things. I've seen this work so unbelievably well. So I'll give you an example is all of us in our nonprofits, we're always looking for different grants, different funders, foundations, opportunities. And a lot of times the strategy is just, let's just put together a really strong application and see what happens. And it takes a ton of time. Sometimes we're successful. Most times we're not, let's be honest. And what I found work really well is to ask for that 15-minute phone or Zoom call and let the funder know exactly what you're asking for. So it could be something like, hey, we uh, we just discovered your organization, your foundation, you're doing some fantastic work. Wanted to just give a, a quick check-in and see if the project that we are launching aligns with the types of projects that you like to fund. Would you have 15 minutes to meet by phone or by Zoom so we can ask you that question? And not only does it instantly connect you to that funder who is going to remember you and your organization when they receive your application, or on the other hand, they're going to say, actually, we're not, our website was incorrect. We're actually not funding that anymore. Or, you know, thanks for telling me about your project. Yeah. Yeah. The the time saved. saved. Yeah. (laughs) The the time saved. And, you know, I'll tell you one of the organizations that I'm working with right now, we did this for a very large federal funder in Canada. And it just so happened the person that we reached out to said, you know what, when you finish your application, just send it to me. I'll just make sure that it went, it goes to the right person. And okay. What? Like minutes of our time. 15 minutes (laughs) of our time. But Having a champion in a, I don't even feel like you're supposed to talk about this in public because like, yes, they're not supposed to play favorites, but you totally got them to like, make sure your application was seen. Maybe it's not like quote unquote favorite, but that's huge. That is such like a huge lift for 15 minutes of your time. 
Yeah. And I'll say, you know, many years ago, I was on the other side of things. I worked for Mm -hmm. a large organization where we funded a lot of small nonprofits and I was on the grant review committee and I could see some of the applications. People had probably put weeks of work into an application. And I knew within the first 30 seconds, it wasn't a fit for what we wanted to be funding. And just knowing how limited we all are with our, with our time and our resources, those 15 minutes could save you those weeks of time preparing that application that you could spend somewhere else. Yeah. Um, Weeks and sleepless nights. And yeah, I want to ask you, because I always get this question you know, there's always going to be a funder or a donor who doesn't respond or says no. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have when that happens? I think it it depends. Um, if it's appropriate, I would ask for feedback and genuinely ask for the feedback and thank the person or the funder for giving you that feedback and apply it if you feel like it fits for you. And if it's feedback that you don't feel is warranted, that's okay too. And just let it go. You're never going to please everybody. You're never going to get every person to donate. And you know what? That's actually a good thing. Not everybody is connected to every single cause. However, I will say, and this goes back to what we were saying a few minutes ago about feeling nervous or uncomfortable about fundraising is that time and time again, people would rather hear a no through a funder from an email that says, you know, we received thousands of applications and unfortunately yours was strong. It wasn't selected. People would rather hear that a hundred times than have mm-hmm. a conversation like we're having Cindy and me be vulnerable and say, would you please fund this organization that really means a lot to us? And Cindy says, you know, not right now. Like that for most people is crushing. It's and yeah. I, un- and I understand it, that it's so, it's so much easier to just get that rejection email and be like, yeah, we were one of thousands, but yeah. oh, well, let's move on to the next. And it's, it's so much more challenging and vulnerable and difficult to approach a person face to face, human to human and say, I really believe in this. Will, will you believe in it too? Yeah. And then the person says, no, <laughs> it's so, it's so devastating. But I think also not to be negative, but I do think that, um, I forget who it is. There's, there's fundraising coach out there who basically their perspective is the default answer is going to be no. The yes Mm -hmm. is the exception to the rule. And I think when we think about it that way, you know, depending on, on different research, you know, when you're, when you're soliciting, sometimes it's 1%. Yeah. Sometimes it's less than 1%. So let's, cut ourselves some slack that like you ask a hundred donors. It's not personal. No, it's not personal. Yeah. And that one donation, that's a win. Mm-hmm. Right. And let's yeah. work to keep that donor. Exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. I love, love that advice. I think it's my favorite. Like I'm a huge fan of donor meetings. I say it's like the most important thing you can do in fundraising. And I love how you've condensed it into like a 15 minute check-in. It's very manageable. So Okay. That's one thing. Are there any other ways we can really leverage our small size or that intimate connections that we have with our supporters to stand out or again, do things differently in our fundraising that has a high impact? Yeah, definitely. So the next piece is really thinking about donor gratitude. So gratitude Mm -hmm. planning, donor stewardship, however you want to, to name it. But I think 
you know, we know on average in Canada and the US, we're losing half of our donors every year. Yeah, even more right now. Even more right now. And if we think about that, we are constantly on this hamster wheel of let's get new donors, half of them leave. Let's replace those half of those donors. But our expenses have gone up and now we need to raise more and we have half as many people. And the cost of doing that, of every time you're finding a new donor, on average, the cost is five times higher than retaining the donor that you had already. And there's, again, a lot of research that uh, focuses on like, why is this? But there's a couple of things and a couple of common threads of why a donor chooses not to give a second time. So one of those things is they don't feel like they were properly thanked. That's pretty common. Number two, they don't really know what their donation was spent on. Um, Number three, they're not really sure if the charity still needs a, a gift. So, so those, those are kind of the three main ones that I'll focus on. And I think number one, thanking, I see a lot of, especially small organizations where somebody makes a donation, they get an automatic thank you, and then they just get added to a generic newsletter list. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, every month (laughs) they're receiving a generic newsletter that has 12 different topics Everything from like, hey, we got a new receptionist to sign up for our after school <laughs> program to uh, like recycle your bottles because we're raising some money. Like all of these things that like, this is really cool stuff that the organization is doing, but that's not reporting back to a donor what you did with their gift. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I will say without fail, and I've worked with dozens, maybe even hundreds of organizations at this point, I could probably count on one hand how many organizations are communicating too much. The mm-hmm. problem is, is that organizations are communicating too frequently, too frequently, infrequently, infrequently. Yeah. And each of the emails has way too much content. Mm-hmm. So rather than emailing let's say every two weeks or once a month, they're emailing every quarter and they're including 12 topics. Everything. Yeah. Everything. And I like to coach when I'm doing copywriting for charities or or when I'm kind of coaching people on how to write email content, I always think about the grocery store lineup. And this is my perspective, right? We think people are sitting down at their desktops with their cup of coffee and they're reading their emails and they're going through it and thoughtfully thinking about it. No, that's not how most people read emails. They're at the grocery store. They're in a rush to get home. They're probably thinking of five things that they need to do and they need to kill some time because they're waiting in line and they're bored and they're scrolling through their phone and they're going, oh, what's this email? What's this charity? Oh yeah, I gave money to them. And if if you have an email with 12 topics, Think about how long that takes to scroll on your phone. You are not going to be yeah. reading that email. And you also don't really know like what, what's in it for me. Like, what is the call to action here? What am I supposed to do? And it, it just becomes nonprofits are spending all of this time and energy to create this content that isn't really not landing. Shooting. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Or the other thing I see happen is that they think that's what they need to do. Again, going back to like, you know, we constantly compare ourselves. And so we see these newsletters with 12 articles come out. We think, oh my goodness, we need to do that. But I don't have the time 
So I'm just not going to do anything because I see that a lot too, which is like this all or nothing uh, approach. And I mean, tell me what you would recommend in lieu of either of those. Yeah, I would, I would aim for if you can, and I know this sounds probably like a lot of work, but touching base with your donors once a month. And if that's completely not doable quarterly is good. But what you really want to achieve in that donor communication is you really want to bring them back to the moment of when they decided to give that donation. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of research. um, Next After does this really cool um, graphic that talks about the spark line of a donation. And so the, the difference of when we make a donation versus when we purchase something like online shopping If you're buying something, the peak moment, the most exciting moment is when you actually receive. It comes in the mail. I love that feeling. Oh yeah, I forgot I got this. Oh my gosh, this is so great. That's the peak moment, right? The peak moment when we choose to give to a charity is the moment. It Basically, it's the moment that we decide. Mm -hmm. It is the moment where we decide all of the this information that I've been given has really connected with me, has really inspired me. I'm going to make that donation. And then, you know, going to the website and making the donation or, or mailing it in, whatever that happens to be. But our goal when we're communicating with our donors is always to bring them back up to that peak moment. Yeah. Yeah. Of, yeah. oh yeah, I gave to this charity six months ago. And I remember how I felt in that moment. And I was so excited to be part of this. And if I get communication from that charity that reminds me how I felt at that moment, they've got me like Mm. I'm, I'm connected. Right. And so I think that trying to bring people back to that moment is really talking about what is the gift achieving? What is the donor now part of. And I think that there's a lot of identity that's wrapped up in, in, in motivations of why people give. There's a lot of community identity of mm-hmm. I'm a person who believes that, you know, whatever the mission happens to be. And, and I'm collectively in a community of people who believe the same thing. There's a lot of value in that. But in terms of like tangibly, what does this look like? One of the simplest things that organizations can do, and, and I've seen this work really, really well, is to just have it on your team agenda. Or, you know, if you're meeting as a as an entire organization, have it built into your agenda that you are going to ask as a group, like what's one interesting, hopeful, good, incredible, beautiful thing that happened recently. And I think it does two things. Number one, like, boom, you've got your content. There's your, there's your content for that week's donor email or that, that month or quarter, whatever it happens to be. But you're also really bringing some positivity to the team, um, mm. which like, let's be honest, everybody <laughs> could use a bit more positivity. We work in some pretty challenging settings sometimes mm-hmm. uh, and the work that we're doing can be really tough. And so being able to have that like, oh yeah, like let's stop for five minutes and let's talk about like something really cool that happened. And it could be, you know, like, oh, this kid that I was in a program, in a reading program, just learned a certain word that he's been struggling with, like amazing. Or, you know, it could be that, you know, a little bit less 
heartwarming or inspiring. It could be that, oh, we just got, you know, the biggest grant that we've ever gotten. And that's Mm going to allow us to uh, expand our services to this, you know, new area. But it's things that you can instantly have as your content to be able to share to donors. And then you just send a very quick and a very basic that says, you know, this week we were chatting as a team and something really amazing was shared. And I wanted to tell you all about it. And then it's a paragraph of like, this is what it is. Yeah. And that's, that's it. Or take a video like on someone's yes. cell phone or do, and you yeah. know, just get it out there, get it out yeah. there in a personal yeah. way. I love yeah. it. Oh my goodness, Sarah, you've left us with two really good action items. I want you to recap them in case people just got lost in all the excitement of the great (laughs) content that you're sharing. What are, so there's two things, very, very specific things that we've talked about. One is the 15 minute calls and two is building on into our team meetings for those extra five minutes, just that, that content, that communication with donors. Is there anything else, any other things we haven't talked about or sort of nuance to those things that you just want to remind people of? Yeah, I I would say one of the things probably early on in your um, connection with individual donors, and if you have a welcome series, that's amazing. If you're not, which means, you know, a donor comes in and they get a series of of automated emails, welcoming them and, and bringing them into the community. And and if you're not at that point yet, one of the things I would recommend is that you have in an email to a donor very early on, if not the very first email that they receive, um, is that you send an email that's thanking them uh, for their donation, welcoming them into the community, and also asking the question if they'd be willing to share with you what inspired their gift. And the feedback that you can get from just asking that very simple question can be unbelievable. And, you know, sometimes people will say, oh, I, you know, my kid goes to your program or, oh, I heard about you on the news, or it could be an incredible story that you are now being able to engage um, with that donor. So you've got kind of that, that two-way conversation that's being built. And if you are going to do that, and I will say in all of your messaging, please send it from a human being. I I see too (laughs) many, too many emails that are sent like from a nonprofit And we don't, while we, you know, are connected to nonprofits, we're connected to humans. So I would want an email that if somebody's asking me what inspired my gift, I'd want it signed by Cindy. And I Mm -hmm. want to know that when I respond and I say what inspired my gift, I'm telling Cindy that. And Cindy is my person that I can connect with at that organization. I would also say in that email or, you know, in general, in emails to donors is that you do make sure that there's something in there for them to provide feedback. So, you know, if you have any questions um, or comments or you just like to chat, here's my, you know, contact info. And just being able to kind of like personalize it. That's another thing in small nonprofits we can do very easily. Mm And people know that, oh yeah, so-and-so at that organization asked me what inspired my gift and I told them and, and now they yeah. know. And it's, it's a real, it's a real connection with, um, without really having to put too much effort or too much totally. additional work into what you're Love doing. it. Yeah. Love it. Sarah, where can our listeners connect with you and get more of this incredible wisdom? 
Yeah. Um, so on my website, charityshift.ca, um, you can learn more about the work that I do. And also I'm quite active on LinkedIn. I love to connect with people. Um, so feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or send me a message um, on my website. I'm always happy to chat with small nonprofits and learn more about what you do. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. And of course, to you, our listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Well, folks, that's it for today's episode of The Small Nonprofit. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and this show is brought to you by The Good Partnership. As a reminder, if you want more resources around raising more money for your small nonprofit, visit thegoodpartnership.com and download our free fundraising strategy guide. I'll see you next week.